Welcome to the Omfair Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the OMFIF Podcast. I'm Taylor Pierce, economist of OMFIF's Economic and Monetary Policy Institute. Here with me today is OMFIF Chief Economist Neil Williams. We'll be discussing debt sustainability and particularly how fiscal considerations are becoming increasingly important to monetary policy decision making. This is evident in September's intervention by the Bank of England when the bank act to restart gilt purchases to support markets, which have been troubled by rising rates and an unfunded fiscal expansion. Neil, you've said that the UK could be a test case for other central banks. What do you mean by that? Well, thank you, Taylor. Yes, the challenge for all central banks really was always going to be how they could remove the years of economic stimulus, not just to financial markets, but also from the real economy without causing unintended consequences, if you like, pulling back the tide of liquidity without sort of revealing the sort of sharp rocks underneath. But one of those sharp rocks proved to be the pension funds and the need for them to have continued liquidity for them to work day to day. So when the, the government of the time started to talk about unfunded tax cuts at a time when Bank of England is raising rates and the bank was just getting ready to start selling assets back through quantitative tightening, that understandably caused gyrations in financial markets. And the fact that the bank had to step in as a result of what was a fiscal mistake uh, sort of smelled a bit to markets that uh, increasingly central banks are becoming the monetary agents of government. Now, certainly the Bank of England has distanced itself from the latest support to old-fashioned quantitative easing, but certainly some former officials believe that the bank could have done a little little better uh, in differentiating between the two, perhaps by even sterilising its support by selling debt in other segments of the curve. The, the good news since for markets is that, of course, the, the new Chancellor and Prime Minister are scaling back those unfunded tax plans. And uh, as a result, bond deals have fallen a bit since the tumult. We could again see, though, upward pressure on bond deals, not least because central banks haven't finished. They will continue to raise rates, not just in the UK, uh, but uh, elsewhere. And no doubt the bond vigilantes, as we call them, will perceive that uh, terminal rates at some stage will close out. Potentially, uh, it could be in spring next year. So it seems to me that with central banks going hard on rates at the moment, there may still be some of those pressures underlying, we'll find out. Uh, but after that peak in rates, maybe spring next year, a number of offsetting factors suppressing the rise in sovereign bond deals could then become more visible. And what are these supportive factors? Well, three come to mind. The first one is that uh, with stagflation intensifying, that the trade-off, if you like, between dogmatic rate hikes by central banks, such as the Bank of England, and inflation reduction, will look increasingly destructive to growth. For what it's worth, the Bank of England believes it takes about four years for a weaker currency through higher import prices to be fully transmitted to a consumer price index that's about one third imported. Now, this shortfall is still apparent in Sterling's latest softness at a time when real wages are deflating again. So it seems to me that wage pressures uh, will continue, but they may not be strong enough to give the sort of good old fashioned demand inflation to accompany this cost inflation that we have. The second thing uh, is that QE globally will be uh, slow to unwind. The, no doubt the recent experience in the UK is making the Bank of England even more conscious now about taking a very slow and gradual path with its uh, quantitative tightening. And that may even stop if markets become dysfunctional. 
And of course, elsewhere around the world, Japan's QE rumbles on. The US and the euro area are still in the fairly early stages of addressing their central banks' balance sheets. And we know that if central banks tighten aggressively, the fiscal authorities are going to bear some of that cost. And the third thing, really, is that there are measures out there, perhaps some, some of which are untried and untested, that would be available to cushion the impact of rising rates on fiscal revenues, in turn keeping bond deals down. How might these other measures work? Well, one way might be moving to a system of tiered interest rates, which could be applied, for example, on commercial banks' reserves held with the central bank, uh, as set out by, for example, one former Bank of England deputy governor, Paul Tucker. What this may uh, involve is that it may then allow debt service costs to rise uh, or to rise less fast than policy rates and send a signal that central banks are wary of growing fiscal dominance in monetary decisions. Uh, And another means, which is a bit more explicit, is that if needed, central banks could ultimately follow the Japan experience by moving to more explicit bond yield uh, targeting. Now, in Japan's case, and they've been running it since 2016, Japan can now vary the amount of QE or QT it wishes to run, depending on where the, the target is. Now, this approach, unless coordinated, is not perfect. Japan's already having to intervene in the currency markets to help to protect it, and that may have to to change. But there may be lessons if governments can't keep debt service costs down uh, in terms of bringing in new measures to avoid the impact of rising interest rates on their fiscal measures. Do you think this approach would suit the UK's case? Well, this is certainly a sort of backstop, but potentially a last resort. And this approach, for the UK at least, looks unlikely for the time being. But ultimately, if it were needed in the case of escalating government debt, that it would probably be based on a a similar premise to that in Japan, namely that the level of the yield target would be chosen to make sure that it does not rise above the growth in nominal GDP. And what that means is for the UK, that if the UK were to want to lock in, for example, on current 10-year guilt yields, which uh, seem to be centred about 3.5%, at the moment, they would presumably want to use the Bank of England's 2% CPI target more broadly, in which case they would really need to make sure that growth, real growth, was running at about 1.5% a year or more to make sure the debt stock stayed constant. So in in which case, and this is a warning to the the Chancellor who uh, presents the autumn statement uh, on the 17th of November, that it really is a difficult balancing act between reassuring financial markets of fiscal rectitude on the one hand while at the same time giving the economy enough time to breathe to deliver the sort of full-blown economic recovery the new prime minister needs before the next general election. Great. Well, thank you so much, Neil. This has been very interesting. It certainly seems to me that if they have any chance of managing a soft landing, central banks will no doubt need to use every tool in the toolkit, including some potential new measures. And thank you as well to our listeners. For more on the conundrum facing the Bank of England and other central banks around the world, be sure to check out Neil's commentary piece, Avoiding a Debt Crisis, which can be found on the OMFIF website. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are available. Thank you for listening to the OMFIF podcast.